At long last, I am able to say a few words of my own. Read my lips. Government is not the solution to our problem. Senator, good morning again in America. Well, look, Big Bird. Yes, we can. Government is the problem. Welcome, everybody, to a liberal and a conservative walk into a bar. My name is Matt, and I'm a liberal. My name is Tim. I'm a conservative. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure and check out our website at libcon.podbean.com. We're in the iTunes store, the Google Play store, coming soon to a theater near you. Find Tim at uh, on Twitter at libcontim. Find me at libconmatt, and go buy Tim's book on Amazon. It's called Things I Want. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about Oklahoma's attempt at banning abortion. Uh, the effects of uh, Governor Matt Bevin's education cuts in Kentucky. And at last, we will discuss Hillary and her friggin' emails. Dun, Round dun, of applause. <laughs> Round of applause and something cool. Uh, but first up, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I got, um, I got warm soup belly from a pretty delicious Korean, Asian, Japanese, who knows, broth thing that our, our cousin made. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm good, man. Yeah. How are you? I'm well, yeah. So it's, uh, it's been a good day. spent most of the day outside. So, uh, you know, that's, I, I always enjoy that. Uh, pretty much everything hurts at the moment, but, uh, you know, other than that, that's, uh, that's all good. And there's a, there's a piano in my house now, which is, which is fascinating. Nice. Uh, and I keep walking by that room and going, Oh yeah, right. I have a piano now. Got it forgot weird yeah that's pretty much pretty much been my week i, I painted for f- three or four days before the piano arrived and and i gotta hate painting um but it's it's, it's nice to have a wretched nice past time it, it is it's nice when it's done but you know the actual process of it is just ugh, yeah not not my favorite thing so Anyhow, uh, well, we uh, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and get uh, get on get get to getting. Uh, we'll 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 start off just by doing a very brief sort of update on the the on what's going on with the election. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's been sort of a back and a back and forth kind of week. The polls have tightened up a little bit, uh, according to Real Clear. Uh, they got basically even. I think Trump edged ahead by a, like a, a half a percentage point or something. And Hillary is back in the lead. I, it's so early. I don't know that there's anything really to you know make of that yet. You know, you really start paying attention once the conventions are over with and whatnot. So you know, we'll see. But you know, there's been a there there has been a lot of movement on the on the email thing. Whether or not that's going to have any effect, who knows? You know, Bernie's still out there uh, kicking up dust and and making some trouble. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I don't, I'm not entirely certain how much I have to add to the election stuff this week. Have you have you anything that you've noticed? I, I mean, nothing in particular, just the fact that it's it's now neck and neck. So, I mean, this is this is the new normal, you know, before it was, well, you know, Clinton's got X, per, you know, percentage points and, you know, Bernie's got X number of percentage points above you know Trump. Um, but both of them, you know, would have beaten Trump hands down. You know, Trump winning was so unlikely. And now all of a sudden you've got them neck and neck and Clinton's uh, email scandal getting worse and worse and worse. So uh, Trump is seems to be becoming more and more of a real possibility. Well, I mean, and 
I don't, I don't know. I mean, enough enough so that it that you can't discount it. And yes, everybody needs to you know jump in and 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 take it seriously. But I I, I think that was the case before, and I wonder how much of a bump he's getting in polls because of uh, you know having actually clinched the nomination. He's you know he's not he's not busy fighting a primary fight, which Hillary is still doing. Again, I point out that Obama was still fighting something of a of a primary fight at this stage in his uh, in his uh, election uh, attempt in two thousand eight. Uh, you know, and, and I think right about now McCain was also getting something of a poll bump because it was when he nominated Sarah Palin. You know, and before she actually started talking, uh, you know, and could hurt things. Um, so, you know, it, I, I I don't know that there's a, a whole lot to to get in a twist about just yet, you know, and of course we'll, I'll have my say about the email thing here in a little bit when we actually talk about it. But the, 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 here's, this is the conclusion that I've come to at this stage is one, Bernie needs to stop being a whiny bitch because he's being a whiny bitch. And today he, I, I think it was today. He, he demanded now to the DNC that there are Clinton backers on convention committees and he wants the DNC to remove them because that's somehow unfair. I don't know. They, they just gave him like a third of, of, uh, just this massive position on the, the, um, on the conventions, uh, you know, was it the platform committee? I think they gave him this massive chunk of, of representatives on that, which was a big deal. And it doesn't usually happen, but they gave it to him anyway. And now he wants these people yanked because they back Clinton from I don't know he was he's trying to completely remake the DNC which baffles me um but okay you know but at this point what what uh, what I genuinely believe needs to happen is that this I I understand the ageist argument that you made a couple of weeks ago but or but I honestly believe that what needs to happen is is Obama needs to stage a secret meeting between these two knock their heads together and get Hillary to nominate Bernie as his VP and the two of them go after Trump together because Hillary needs somebody that can rally people the way that Bernie can rally people. And if they were out there together and he was genuinely on the ticket, I don't think we have anything to worry about. I mean, maybe I think that's, that's a fair point. Probably a good, that might be a good idea because you're right. Bernie Sanders uh, does seem to inspire people in the democratic party the way that no one else can. Um, uh, with the exception of maybe Elizabeth Warren, you know, I, I think maybe Elizabeth Warren could inspire the the same sort of crowd that Bernie Sanders does, and she doesn't have the the age factor. I don't know that I don't know that Warren's got the same crossover appeal that Bernie does, though. Bernie's got an awful lot of crossover appeal right now, and I don't know if she's got that. Maybe she does because she's because she's a bulldog, you know, kind of the same way he is. She's not afraid to pick fights and, and she's proven that lately. Um, so I don't know, maybe, but yeah, that's, that, that's an interesting thing. I, I would be fascinated to see, to see two women on the same ticket. I think that would just be that in and of itself would be, it'd be historic and it would be awesome too. So yeah, I mean, honestly at this point, either one of those two I'm fine with, I, I don't know that I was a month ago, but now I actually think something along those lines need, needs to happen. I don't know if she'll do it, but I, I think she should. Agreed. The, 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 the one thing she doesn't need is a no name. You know, she does not need to pick some, you know, a, a, a no name pragmatic 
experienced politician. She needs she needs some some star power. She needs some flair. So yeah, we'll and we'll going with somebody does. like you know that that uh, Julian Castro guy or you know somebody along those. No, I, I don't I don't think that's good. Yeah, no no, no one who my response is uh, who who's that? Yeah, no no one like that. She needs she needs some star power. Yeah, she does. She needs the help. So you know, but we'll see. I you know I I, I don't know. I uh, and as far as Trump cons- Trump is concerned, I, I I don't care enough to talk about the man. Have 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 you anything on the on the Republican side? No, I, I don't have anything. No, nothing else to add. I think it's we're I think we're pretty much. electioned out for now. I think. Yeah, pretty much barely worth our time. And we have a, a lot of other uh, more interesting things to talk about. The the first of which we're going to tease you and we're not going to we're going to make you listen to the entire show before we talk about Hillary and her email. So <laughs> you got to listen to the other stuff first. Nah. Um, so the uh, first up uh, in actual uh, policy type talk uh, topics tonight. Uh, last week, the uh, Oklahoma legislature uh, passed a ban on a, a statewide ban on abortions, with exceptions for uh, the life of the mother. I think did they have a did they have an incest and rape exception too? Well, they didn't. They didn't phrase it that way. I, I don't think. I think they they phrased it to where, you know, where it was medically necessary. You know, for, and so the, right. Yeah, there you and, go. And that okay. was that was her reason for vetoing it. That was the reason she gave anyway for vetoing it. That it was too vague. You know, what did medically necessary mean? And so then you could get into a position because what she did was she didn't make it illegal for the mother to get the abortion. She made it illegal for the doctor to perform it. Correct. And yeah. so because of the vagueness of the, the medically necessary clause, uh, she felt like this was going to put, you know, doctors in a tough position as far as them, you know, them potentially performing an abortion that they felt was perfectly legal because it was medically necessary and then winding up in jail. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, I mean that that uh, worth we jumped ahead a little bit, but yes. The, so the legislature passed this law, <laughs> and the governor, in turn, was who was expect. This was a little bit of a surprise because you had a an all Republican legislature, yeah. a Republican governor who is a rising star Republican governor in that she's actually been mentioned as a possible VP pick for Trump. Uh, v veto- turned around and vetoed the law for the reasons that Tim just stated. Um, so, again, a, a law banning abortions throughout the state. It, to me, it was a it was an extraordinarily puzzling move. Um, although I I, uh, I I saw it as sort of a ballsy move, I, I was intrigued uh, by the by what was effectively political maneuvering. I think, um, I, but you had some some you had some interesting theories on that. Would you uh, care to expand on such things? Well, we'll explain. What do you mean by it was political maneuvering? What what does that mean? Well, why pass the law? I mean, it's uh, abortions. uh, Abortion has been protected by the Supreme Court through Roe v. Wade uh, as a matter of privacy. Effectively, laws like this were struck down uh, by the Supreme Court. So in passing a law, they're, at least in theory, butting heads up against the Supreme Court. And Roe v. Wade. So, uh, right. Well, and just as you know, the laws you know outlawing slavery butted up against the Dred Scott decision. 
you know, I mean, it's not like this is this is unprecedented that the Supreme Court makes a ruling, but then we we pass legislature um, going against that. Okay, so I, I I don't think I would use. I, just, I don't I don't like the phrase political maneuvering. You know, that gives it that makes it sound as if this is some partisan ridiculousness. You know, attempting to score points. You know, as opposed to what what I what I think it was, and what it certainly was to me, which is an attempt to save lives. Well, okay, it it is it is partisan ridiculousness. I mean, it's 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 the oh, kind well, of thing that was bound that to get. I'm I'm sorry. I did to my mind, it is partisan ridiculousness. It's it was an it it was it was a an attempt by an all Republican group to push something that was never going to, that was never going to pass muster. Uh, and frankly, it, I, it strikes me as a tremendous waste of time. Uh, when Oklahoma has a massive amount of other things on their agenda that need to be addressed, they've got students marching on the state Capitol because they don't have enough funding for their schools down there. And the legislature is wasting time on this stuff. Which, I, I see absolutely no reason why a legislature can't handle more than one important issue. I mean, this is what they're this is what they're elected to do. And you talk about, you know, you've got an all Republican legislature. Well, of course. Great. This is exactly the time that you, you have a people, a state that's elected a legislature uh, that is all Republican. And a primary uh, platform for the Republican Party is is pro-life. And so the people of Oklahoma made a statement that we want uh, we want abortion to be illegal in our state. And the Republican Party, uh, the Republican legislature stepped up and, and passed a law in accordance with the wishes of their people. Um, the governor vetoed it, which to me is disappointing. Uh, she gave her reasoning. And so I'll, I'll, I'll take her out a word and assume that she you know really felt that way. Uh, but you know, I wish she had it. Because uh, I, I don't see this as political maneuvering. I think this is uh, a legislature standing up for what they believe in, for what the people who elected them believe in. Uh, and it's an, an attempt to save innocent lives. And I wish the governor had passed it. I know that, it, you know, it would have gotten to the Supreme Court, which considering where the Supreme Court is, it actually probably would have been split down the middle and the law would have stood for a decent which is period actually of time, what I was talking about before you got into the semantics over the political maneuvering phrase. You had a theory regarding why forget that I said political maneuvering. You had a theory as to why legally now was the time for them to try to do this that I thought was very interesting because my first question was, why would you bother? With Roe v. with considering Roe v. Wade, and you had a point about the court and the makeup of it, and why now was the why actually now was the time to try to do this. I was hoping you would expand on that. Well, and I'm happy too, and I think that I mean, but even beyond now being the time, I mean, I think it's been the time. Uh, I believe South Dakota is the only Republican-controlled. Um, state government that's that stepped up and done it uh and theirs of course unfortunately was was struck down by the supreme court but we've got republican legislatures all over the place and it's a shame that more uh pro-life uh laws haven't been passed uh so these could have been taken to the supreme court and and forced them to make decisions because we've had a supreme court for the last several years, that's you know right on the line as far as conservative versus versus liberal, uh, and now we we've got a tied one. 
So now is definitely the time to start passing these laws because there's no basically no Supreme Court really to strike it down uh, because you've got four pro, you know, basically four pro-choice judges and four pro-life judges. So anything that these states' legislatures pass uh, that the governors, governors don't veto, they're going to stand for a decent period of time. And, you know, maybe... You know, maybe Hillary wins and then they, you know, end up electing a, a liberal judge and so all the laws get struck down. But during that period of time, we've saved X number of lives and well worth it. But have you done anything to take care of those lives once they're brought into the world? Well, hopefully. You know, I mean, this is what. To provide health care I mean, for I mean, them or is the Oklahoma legislature too busy trying to pass, uh, to pass, uh, Bills that impeach President Obama, which they've done twice in the last couple of years. Well, well before President Obama came into the scene, we had children's health care. I mean, this is a built in thing that all children are available to, for, for Medicaid under a certain income limit. And that income limit's pretty high for getting the children onto Medicaid. Uh, you've got WIC, which is which is another national program, which is which is very good. Uh, food stamps for for I mean, there's there's lots of laws out there for protecting children and and for helping their mothers. Um, could there be more? Sure. Do we need to pass paternity leave? Absolutely. Uh, but this doesn't mean that therefore you shouldn't pass. You know uh, a laws outlawing abortion. Um, I, I think we, we need to do both. So great. Let's do both. Well, and if, if they would, I'd be all for it. But I, you know, I mean, I, I won't use the phrase political maneuvering, but I, I just think that this is more, I mean, in, in to my mind, this is more of uh, Republican legislatures taking their eye off the ball and focusing on things that they don't need to be messing with right now when they have other other problems, other solvable problems that are directly in front of them. Um, and this is not a solvable problem right now, considering the makeup of uh, the system and the way it works. And I, I just, I, I think this was a tremendous waste of time. Um, I, I completely disagree. I, I think their eye was <laughs> on exactly the ball that it used to be on and they made it happen. And, you know, unfortunately the governor vetoed it. If she hadn't, then hallelujah. Abortion would have been illegal in Oklahoma. Are they going to try to bring it back up again? Have you heard? Uh, I, haven't, I haven't seen it. But anything. if it's an all Republican controlled <laughs> legislature, then there's at least some possibility that maybe they could get a two thirds vote. But um, I haven't. I haven't really heard a lot of rumblings about that. No, but if they can they re, can they rewrite the if the, if she vetoes it if a governor vetoes something based on a specific portion of a law can they rewrite the law and represent it? and repass it or do they have to override um, the veto entirely? No, I think they can. I think they, they could just write a new bill basically uh, and just adjusting that language. So hopefully, hopefully they will, but I haven't heard anything about it. Well, it looks like they still have to discuss about where they're going to allow people to go to the bathroom first. And once they're done with that, they'll get to this one. So, um, Oklahoma. <laughs> do you want to, the... do you want to go back down that road? Do you want to talk about all no, that? Cause I mean, we really. can, because now no. Kentucky's joined in the several States have sued. Kentucky's joined in that lawsuit. Um, so, and it's going to play out through the legal system. As I said, it would. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, I, I think we've said all there is to say on that one. We're going to move on to Kentucky. Speaking of Kentucky, since we brought it up, uh, the, uh, Several months ago, uh, Kentucky's governor made some made some news 
um, by ordering across the board. Was it four and a half percent cuts? I believe across the board. Immediately, uh, yeah. Im- immediate four and a half percent cuts uh, yeah. across. I, the I board. think the ones for next year are larger. I, I could be mistaken yeah, on that. Uh, and he essentially came in in the middle of a budget year, in the middle of a of a of a fiscal year, and said, "Okay, we're going to cut four and a half percent out of school budgets right now for higher education." Uh, this went through the court system, uh, and uh, I believe that the court case said that he was allowed to make the cuts. Now, is that correct? Yes. Okay. So, so those he's, those he's cuts a, stand. Now he's, he's made he's some a, deals. You know, he made a deal with the University of Kentucky, and I, I think maybe with the broader universe, uh, university system, um, making some adjustments to that 4.5%. But, yeah, the, the courts allowed him to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we are starting to see the effects of these cuts, uh, not just in the immediate sense, but also from uh, budget years or uh, for the or, uh, figures from the next budget year as they come out and the effects that it's going to have on higher education throughout Kentucky. Uh, one of them was announced today. Actually, this one hits a little bit close to home because our parents live in Somerset, but Eastern Kentucky University is going to close uh, their campus operation in Somerset um, on June 30th due to these budget cuts. Um along with uh, 500 faculty and staff positions have been cut from the Kentucky Community and Technical Colleges uh, campuses um, across the system. And this includes 170 faculty jobs uh, that were currently occupied and then a bunch of positions that were not renewed so they won't be hired back. Um, I'm not sure... I know you're more familiar with a lot of this, so I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna ask you to to sort of elaborate on where you are with with some of this. But I I think that the hope for I know at least what Bevan said initially that his hope was that he would be driving people towards uh, other majors um, or at least funding use quote useful majors more so. Uh, for example, engineering over his famous example, which was French lit pissed off all the French lit, French lit professors across the state. Um, and I'm not entirely sure that that's happening yet or what we're going to see from some of that. But uh, what, what, what are your thoughts on all this? Well, well, my thoughts, my thoughts are kind of mixed, right? Because I, I agree that there is a lot of uh, bloating in our higher education system. Uh, and I mean, I've, I've ranted on this multiple times. I think that the, we, we have to rethink the way that education is done. Uh, I think that part of the reason why our edu- our tuition costs are so high is because we're still stuck on this system of, you know, the sage on the stage where you've got a, a professor who's up there speaking to X number of students. And this becomes very expensive as you as these professors stay longer, you have to pay them more and more. Plus, you've got all the administrative costs. And I, I think that we need, instead of just saying, okay, the government needs to pay more, the government needs to pay more, at some point we have to stop and say, all right, is, is there a way that we can make our education system more efficient? And we see this happening across the nation through online education. So I, I absolutely agree with the idea of cutting the amount of spending that we're doing on education. I think this is this is a good um as long as that is being done in concert 
with a, a broader vision, right, of say, okay, we're going to drop some of these brick and mortar campuses because they're not, they're just not necessary anymore. We don't, we don't need these things. Now we you can do everything online. So the fact that the these you know they've cut the the Somerset campus. Well, this you know obviously you know you always hate to hear about people losing their jobs or or, or that sort of thing. Um, but from the standpoint of can these kids still get a higher education? The answer is absolutely. You know you can get your entire degree online. the The problem with that is that. Because Kentucky hasn't been making a lot of headway in the online arena, they can't necessarily get that degree through a Kentucky university, and therefore they can't get the the cuts and costs from a for, because they're residents, right? So it's good that we're cutting some of this money, but we need to be pushing our community colleges to to be getting in on the the cutting edge of online education. And I, and I haven't heard a lot of that. So good that we're making these cuts, but I would like to hear some more vision accompanying this. Yeah, I I I, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. I, I I don't because I don't know I don't know necessarily that I would say yay hooray they're making cuts, but I I would have hoped to have seen this. To me, unfortunately, was was a very typical sort of short-sighted conservative move in that cut money. You know, you always tell me that liberals, their first their first move is to just spend money, throw money at a problem and that'll fix it. Well, conservatives do the exact opposite. Their immediate solution is to cut money and say, well, we're not going to spend money on this and that somehow will fix the problem uh, because it doesn't address the actual problem of education. You can say that education is too expensive. Okay, fine. Education is too expensive, but you can't just slash budgets and say, well, done. And that in a lot of ways to me, the one thing that he said that I thought I did think was interesting was, you know, let's try to encourage people to get degrees that they can use. Okay. That's, I don't have a problem with that. That's okay. You know, uh, to try to say, you know, we're going to offer more scholarship money for, uh, somebody who wants to get, you know, uh, an engineering degree versus somebody who wants to get a philosophy degree. This makes sense to me. But uh, at the same time, the effect of what he's seeing, you know, the, the Somerset campus, not that I'm particularly attached to Somerset, mom and dad haven't lived there that long, but the time that I've spent there, I see a lot of kids that, that are uh, working towards degrees when I uh, go to, you know, that coffee shop that mom likes or whatever. Um, and, and now are they going to have that opportunity? And the larger problem is, is do they know that Eastern who funded that satellite campus in Somerset actually has a very, an, an improving online opportunities? And are they making sure that people know that they can get those degrees through Kentucky's colleges and get them online instead of running the risk of them going to places like, I don't know, for example, Trump University that are effectively uh, uh, BS degrees because there's a lot of them out there that are not, they're not accredited, they're not real, and they're effectively uh, money-making schemes. So, and and people don't need to worry about that and they can get things like in-state tuition and scholarships and do them online. Are we putting money finally which I don't think they are, but they should be putting money into the infrastructure problem that we've had that has been 
brought up umpteen thousand times about uh, the fact that there is no, that high-speed internet access in Kentucky is one of the lowest in the country, um, particularly into the rural areas. So are they making sure that people have access to that kind of thing? Um, and, and I don't think they're taking those steps, uh, you know, to offset the problems that are going to come from these cuts. I mean, yeah, people losing jobs, that, that, that sucks and you never want to hear about that. But my larger concern is for the state of education throughout the state of Kentucky, which has been falling further and further and further behind for years now. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of hearing about it. And to have a governor roll up and just say, all right, we're going to cut all this money. That's it. Done. And I, I don't see how that's going to solve the problem. Well, and, and hopefully there is going to, to be the end. And I think some of the thought process would be that by by making these cuts, you know, we're forcing the people in the universities to step up their game on things like online education and on uh, promoting the, the availability of these on these online degrees, um, you know, because. I mean, the state legislature and the governor can't do everything. I mean, this this is up to some of this is up to the universities uh, to make these things happen. And up until now, we, we haven't given them a strong enough reason to make this happen. Whereas now we make the cuts. Look, there's, we're not going to we're not going to keep throwing money away. It's time. Let's let's step up. Let's let's get away from the system that we've been in and, and start something new. Now, that said, I, I do agree with you that this this should have been at the forefront of what Governor Bevan was talking about, some sort of broader vision. And it wasn't. And that's disappointing. And I hope that uh, and I hope that he starts talking about these sorts of things in his rhetoric. But also, let's let's keep in mind when he's making these cuts. It's not as if he's making these cuts and just like, hey, all right, now we got extra money to throw away on other stuff. No, he's making these cuts in order to fix the Kentucky retirement pension, which is for retired professors of university, retired teachers from the education system. So it's, it, I mean, he's taking, he's quote unquote, taking money away from higher education, but only sort of, he, he's taking that money away and putting it towards the people who had been providing that education for all these years and making sure that their pension is still intact. No, I, I think, understand I think that. that gets, I think that gets forgotten a lot. I think he gets he gets made out to be the devil when he's trying to help take care of people in their retirement. Well, and and I understand that, and I, I get that it's sort of robbing Peter to pay Paul, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that Peter doesn't still need help, you know. Um, and it's it's not. It I, again, I don't have a problem with the idea that cuts needed to be made or things needed to be adjusted and moved around or whatever, that's not the problem. The problem to me is just in general, and this I think is, is, is a, a general problem that I have with Bevan, is that he has this sort of Wyatt Earp, guns blazing kind of way of rolling in and doing things that, that I don't like. You know, come in. You want to make cuts? Fine. You want to make changes to ed education? Fine. Don't do it 15 minutes after you got into office. You know, come in and take a few weeks and actually sit down and try to come up with, okay, this is, you know, we're going to have to make these cuts monetarily and move this over here. But in the process, we're going to try to encourage and, and you know, give guidance to these universities instead of saying, here's where we're cutting. You guys deal with it. Peace. 
which is basically what he did. And, uh, you know, for example, you know, for example, an easy idea would have been, you know, for, okay, in towns like Somerset or where they're closing southeast down in uh, in Harlan County, uh, we're going to close the college, but we're going to open up a satellite office with a staff, a small staff of like four or five people that will get people enrolled in online classes and help them navigate that system, help them apply for financial aid, help them find scholarships, uh, help them figure out their schedules and what they can and can't do. I mean, in a lot of ways, this would be better for them anyway, because these are most of these are working people. So, you know, they need the flood. They can use the flexibility. And on top of that, help them figure out ways that they can get uh, access to high-speed internet. Can they do their, you know, if you don't have it at home, how can you get it at home? If you can't get it at home, well, then it's available for free in these locations. Go to this library or at the, hell, at that office. Set a, staff it and then open up a classroom with like five workstations, you know, um, and say you can come here and, and study and, and do your, your thing. You know, it's, it's a limited staff, no professors, you're employing a few people in office jobs, and you're helping people get their educations. And you're doing it through Kentucky universities. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, this, I think this would be great. You know, I'm, I'm not ready to, you know, just sit back and, and blame Republicans, those for making these cuts. You've got to remember, we've, we've had um, a Democratic governor for the last eight years. You know, where, where was he at on making, on making these sorts of things happen? Uh, you know, you talk about robbing Peter to pay Paul. Well, he's been robbing the retirement system for X number of years in order to keep on dumping money um, in, into, into the universities without forcing the universities to get more efficient and to start moving our educational system in this direction. So, I, I mean, could Bevan have done it in, with a, in, in a different manner? Sure. I've, I've criticized Bevan plenty for, for being kind of kind of sounding like a jerk half the time when he does stuff. Um, but, but I'm not ready to sit here and just lay all of the blame on him. Um, you know, these cuts, these cuts needed to be made. We're spending too much money on these different things, and we needed to make adjustments. Could he have done it in a better way? Sure. But you know what? They could have done the last eight years in a much better way to not have forced no, him into this a, position. No, that, no, that's not an excuse. That's that you can't that you're I am so tired of hearing that as as a reason from people on every side of the aisle. The whole reason I did this is because of that guy. Bullshit. The whole reason you did it is because this is what you do. It's your behavior. Take responsibility for it. Don't push it off on what happened to everybody else. He was perfectly capable, regardless of what Bashir did, he was perfectly capable of taking a few extra weeks and sitting down and thinking through, thinking this thing through. He is perfectly capable now of providing guidance on these issues. And to sit there and, and blame everything that happened on what other people do or what other people did is such a, it, it's just, it's such a politician thing to say. And I'm so sick of hearing it. But I don't I'm not, care I'm not what everyone else did. all of the blame. That, that, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not laying all of the blame on, on the Democrats, nor am I saying that Bevan is not without any blame. I'm all I'm saying is that, look, it's not all Bevan's fault. This is, you know, he's gotten handed a situation. He's trying to deal with it. Could he have done it in some better ways? Absolutely. Is some of the fault his? Yes. But a large portion of the fault is also the Democrats who have been running things for the last eight years. 
It, there's fault on both sides. The, and a large portion of the fault is no, I, but I am faulting Bevan. I am not faulting Bevan for the problem. I am faulting Bevan for his method of solving the problem. Okay. And that's all. The problem exists for dozens of different reasons. And there is no one reason why. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of it does have to do with some of the things that Bashir did. And I'm sure a lot of it has to do with the fact that, like you've said over and over again and finally convinced me, is that pensions are a difficult thing to maintain long term. Uh, there's a whole host of different reasons for it. But Bevan's method of solving the problem, I don't think has been appropriate. And, and, I, not and I, would not, I, I would not entirely disagree with that. Uh, you know, I, I like I like taking steps and making some cuts, but absolutely, he could have gone about it in a in a better way. Absolutely, not disagreeing with that. Um, now, fortunately, it does sound like you know there there were some very positive statements coming at least out of the University of Kentucky uh, about the conversations that they'd had with Bevan and and the adjustments that they had that that he had made and the adjustments that they had made. So, and and that's good. I'm glad that they're having those conversations. So. Absolutely. Could he have done this? Could he have done this better? Yes. And hopefully, um, as they move forward, uh, things will improve. Fair enough. <clears throat> I think that's a good place to leave it. We got to move on. We're going to head into a round of applause real quick. Uh, who have you this week? Man, I hate to be repetitive, but uh, just as I gave him my, my WTF last week, uh, I'll give him my round of applause this week. Uh, I read the. The text of his speech on at Hiroshima, and I I loved it. It was like reading Gaudium et Spes, uh, Vatican II's document on on uh, on the modern world. Um, the things they had to say about uh, peace and uh, about the use of nuclear weapons. Um, it, I mean, there was parts where it felt like he was quote quoting it. I don't know if he realized it or not, but I mean, it was it was virtually word for word. Uh, and I, I thought it was a beautiful speech and inspiring, and I'm I'm very disappointed by some of the 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 negative negative reactions that I, that I've heard from people. Um, you know, there, there was one person who I said that was furious at him for calling it evil. What what had happened at Hiroshima, um, and I I, I, I I strongly disagree with that. Well, well, absolutely. You know, may, maybe. You know, we will be able to argue for centuries over whether or not it was necessary to drop the bomb on Hiroshima because of uh, the fact that the Japanese were never going to surrender, and we would have lost millions of lives in in a, in a you know on, on a island to island ground warfare. But certainly, the, the death of of thousands uh, of children and a hundred and hundreds of thousands of, of people, uh, innocent people, not not even soldiers. Uh, Certainly, that's evil. That has to be evil. If, if anything in the world is evil, that is. Um, so I, I thought I thought it was a wonderful speech, and I greatly appreciated it. So round of applause, President Obama. I you know I I I absolutely agree. I I was so uh, you know I mean, for one thing the whole evil th- somebody actually said that for him you know this is why we have the phrase necessary evils people. I, that's pathetic. I hadn't heard that. I did hear that Sarah Palin. Uh, was was furious at Obama for his quote apology to her uh, over that, which was ridiculous. All that means is that she didn't read the speech or pay attention to it. Yeah, it, he never apologized uh, once. He ne- never no, never once. He but he had the yeah. balls to go. I mean, just I mean, just think about the places this guy has been in just in the last two months. I mean, he went mm-hmm. to he went to Cuba. He went to Vietnam. Uh, mm-hmm. 
and now he's visiting Hiroshima. I mean, this this is I'm I'm sorry, he has done some some really great stuff in the last couple of months, and I just I am really terribly proud of him. Um, his you know his approval ratings now at this stage in, of his presidency are higher than Reagan's approvals ratings were at this stage in Reagan's presidency. Reagan really? Reagan was only Reagan was only at like forty eight or forty nine percent approval rating. Uh, in May of 1988, Obama's at 52, and climbing. He's been he's been on the rise for the last six months. Yeah, I, I like I, I like the vast majority of the things I see out of him. I, I understand, um, you know, some of the reservations people have about how you know how he's handling the situations in the Middle East. But I I honestly I I can't fault him for it. You know, I. I there's not a clear cut, easy path to how to handle all the things that are going on over there. Uh, And I I think that he's, he's making basically the right moves. And, and I don't see this, this apology tour. I I haven't seen this, you know, I, I I see what he's doing as, as a reaching out. Um, You know, I, I think maybe at the beginning of his, uh, presidency, maybe there might have been a little bit of an apology to her going on, but I mean, honestly, with the way we stood in the world, that felt a little bit necessary. You know, we we hadn't been um, the the best country <laughs> from a, a reaching out standpoint and opening openness to the world. Partner, yeah, we hadn't been the best partner for the world. You know, uh, so I yeah I. I I, I think the a lot of the criticism that he gets is is monumentally unfair, and I've been very impressed with him. Fair enough. Yeah, I I I, I thought I th- I thought about using that myself, and then I saw your tweet this morning, and I was like, you know what? I bet Tim's going to do that for his round of applause. I'm <laughs> well, and that's why you um, know, and that's what I like about President Obama. That even though every now and then there there is a a call for me to give him my WTF. Um, the vast majority of time, uh, he, he's, I feel like he's, he's been deserving of my round of applause. And for, for, a, for a Democratic president to, to deserve that from me I, I speaks worlds about him, I think. You are, you are a gracious man, my friend. Um, well, my, uh, my, my round of applause actually goes to uh, Sheila Foster Anthony. Um, Sheila Foster uh, is the sister of Vince Foster. Uh, and Vince Foster, of course, is the uh, White House. Uh, I don't think he was a chief of staff, but he was a very close friend of the Clintons in the early 90s uh, throughout their time in Arkansas, went to Washington with them and committed suicide very, very early on, very sadly, uh, during uh, the early years of Clinton's initial uh, first uh, first term. Uh, and there has been a, you know, you talk about right wing conspiracy theories in the Clintons. This genuinely was one uh, because there have been people whispering in hushed tones for years that the Clintons somehow had Vince Foster murdered, that they fabricated the entire thing. Uh, and it's been what it's been investigated over and over again, as is everything to do with the Clintons. And it was found on numerous occasions that Vince Foster suffered from major depression. Uh, did in fact commit suicide. And this is what's believed by everybody. And thanks to Donald Trump and his idiot behavior, uh, who decided to bring it up this week, uh, Vince Foster's sister felt it necessary to basically come out of the woodwork and write a column for the Washington Post, uh, 
talking about her, what her family has been through, went through, and her regrets for not being there for her brother. It cannot have been an easy thing to do, uh, but it seems to have silenced quite a bit of all this mess of trying to dredge up this this ridiculous uh, and frankly shameful thing uh, from the past. Uh, and hopefully it's going to go away because of that. It, again, I, I don't see how it can be have been an easy thing for her to do. Uh, and I, I was very impressed by it. So a uh, round of applause to, to Ms. Anthony, Mrs. Anthony uh, for coming out and, and stomping on that one for us. I very much appreciated it. Well, I, I think that's wonderful that she came out and did it. And like I said, that could not have been a, an easy thing. Um, sadly, I will be very surprised if this stomps it out completely. Um, I, I, I think we're going to see from Trump everything from Vince, Vince Foster to Whitewater to Monica Lewinsky to Benghazi coming up over and over and over again, um, not to mention the emails. So I, I think it's, oh my goodness. unfortunately, I think this was, this is just the beginning. Yeah. Uh, but in the minds of, at least in the minds of reasonable people, hopefully this will, uh, make the case at least. So, but I, I very much appreciated her doing it. And again, it's in where, where I in her position, I don't know that I would have been able to do it, frankly. Um, you know, after all this time to have to revisit that sort of thing, I, I, I can only imagine. So, uh, yeah, for the nine millionth time in my life, just fuck Donald Trump. Ugh. Anyway, you know, that's a song. That's a, that's a fairly popular rap song. Is it really? Yeah. Fuck Donald like, Trump. That's before a, all of this? No, I mean, yeah, well, before that, but I mean, since he started running for, for president and such, came out came uh-huh. out a couple of months ago. It's pretty good. I, I like it. <laughs> it's catchy. Gonna be playing Look that it up on Spotify. <laughs> yeah. Outstanding. All right. Well, as a reasonable segue into uh, the Clintons, we will, we will, we will dispense with the uh the pleasantries and move right on to hillary and the freaking email uh she's going down it's all over uh the state department inspector general found uh, released a report this week saying that they found that uh protocols were violated by hillary it is worth noting not just by hillary but by a lot of uh secretary of states in the past but uh more supposedly more egregiously by hillary clinton while she was the secretary of state you know what? You guys know all of this. We've been over this. Hillary had a private email server. People say it's bad and they're angry and investigating and blah, 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 blah. You've heard all of it. You haven't heard all our thoughts on it. I defer to you. Uh, what, 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 what do you, what do you think? Well, what, I mean, what, what we've said all throughout is let's see what happens. You know, they're, they're investigating. So let's see what the investigators say. And at least this first, the first one, because this is just the first, this is the state department's inspector general. Um, you know, we still have the FBI. Who is a, de- who is a, who is a Democrat? Let who, me point exactly. that out. He's appointed by a Democrat. Yeah. I'm not going to let the Clinton campaign get away with that one. Yeah, this guy is not, not biased. He was appointed conspiracy. by Obama. This this mm-hmm. this particular guy, not a right wing conspiracy. Anyway, yeah. sorry to interrupt. Go. No, but mm-hmm. I, that, that's that's important to point out because that's the way that Clinton is going to try to portray all, all of these things against her. It's this massive right wing conspiracy. Does she have a right to be a little paranoid? Yeah, you know, probably. But with this one, 
This is this is the this is a Democratic president with his Democratic State Department, his Democrat Inspector General coming out and saying that she uh, is guilty of of some fairly egregious um, in, uh, actions while she was while she was uh, Secretary of State in regards to how she handled email um, that. She, you know, she said all along that it was a matter of convenience, but it's become clear that it went far, far beyond just wanting convenience and wanting uh, more privacy. You know, she didn't want her her personal emails to become matter of public record. Uh, and so she wanted it all to her own server. Anyone who tried to voice that this isn't a good thing, maybe we need to change it, was told not to bring this up again. Um, and the State Department says very emphatically that she never sought permission, uh, and that if she had, they would have refused it. You know, you can you can maybe let you know Colin Powell slide a little bit because it was it was so long ago. Um, but with Clinton, I, you know, I mean, this is this is two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Email is is not some new thing at that point. Uh, she should have known better. And she should have handled it differently once it once it did come out. You know, once it came up, she she should have quickly admitted to, to wrongdoing that you know. Well, I, I absolutely should have done this better. This was my fault. I, but she didn't. You know, she kind of hemmed and hawed. And well, this isn't a big deal. This isn't that. This isn't this. And now we've got an inspector general saying no. This is this is a fairly big deal. Um, and now we get to see whether or not the FBI will actually indict her and bring her up on criminal criminal charges. Now lots of people are saying that this this isn't going to happen. The FBI isn't actually going to indict her. Uh, but lots of people said that the the State Department wouldn't find anything, and they did. So I I think this is awful for the Clinton campaign. Even if the FBI doesn't indict her. All this does is feed into the crooked Hillary line. Look, here's yet another thing with her. Another moment of her trying to hide things and behaving in a, in a, in a sneaky, crooked manner. Just look at this. Um, and this is bad. I, I, that's what I think. I think this is really, really, really bad and is going to seriously damage her chances at getting elected. Can I just say no and and move on or I I mean sure you can say no and move on that's fine (laughs) you know but I mean I guess I would like to hear why why no I mean this seems like a big deal why don't you think this is a big deal well okay let me let me just start with it with 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 one part uh, which is the FBI investigation and this is the caveat that I'm going to say with all of this to me there is a difference between criminal and what is just not a good idea. And to a certain extent, a lot of what she did to me is just not a good idea. I don't know about the criminal angle. Okay. If the FBI comes out and finds that there was something, something legitimately confidential, top secret, whatever, she did it brazenly and broke the law, then okay, fine. You know, then different deal. Yes. No, she's not fit to seek office. Yada, yada, yada. That's, that's, that to me is a completely different ball game than this. Um, and this to me, again, contextually, there's a whole lot going on in a lot of these reports. Um, one of the bones of contention that they brought up was, was devices and how Hillary wanted to be able to, to access her email, which this is all documented in that report. Uh, and what Hillary was actually insisting on, which was, 
what devices she could use, which was they've got these like $9,000 top secret brick things that they were using back in those days. I think people are forgetting one of the things that I think is getting lost in all this is everybody's going, oh, this is email. This is a, this is, the, you know, even even eight years ago, portable email, mobile devices were not where they are today. OK, they're not. This was pre iPhone. It was not a mainstream thing. And being able to have multiple email accounts on one device was not like common technology at that stage. And there was some question as to whether or not she'd have to carry around two devices. And being a bureaucrat like she is, she kind of blew that off and said, no, I don't want to carry around two devices. I want to be able to do one thing or whatever. And I want to be able to keep my personal and private stuff uh, and business stuff separate, which is a completely reasonable thing. You know, this idea that the idea that she was being dubious and trying to hide something by keeping her personal emails separate from her business emails. That's crap. Okay. I tell people to do that every day. Whenever I get a new employee, that's the first thing I tell them. I say, look, if you don't want what you're doing to be a part of the public record, don't use your email account that I'm going to give you. Because everything my employees do is a matter of public record. Everything I do is a matter of public record. So if I want to have a conversation with you, then I don't send you emails from that account. And I tell people deliberately, don't do that. That's just normal. And so that in and of itself is just standard procedure to me. People are trying to find something dubious in that part of it. And there's nothing dubious there. That's the way it's done. Um, and Hillary, again, has always been something of a uh, something of a Luddite. She's never had the patience for technology. In fact, I remember back in 2009, 2010, just the fact that someone had talked her into using BlackBerry in the first place was huge to the point that there were pictures of it and people were picking on her about it. And oh, there's Hillary on her BlackBerry again and blah, 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 blah. And the bottom line to me is that no one has proven that there has been anything illegal done with this. The guy who claimed that he could have hacked the server didn't hack the server. The server never got hacked. Could it have been potentially, but it never was. No one has proven that there's more in these emails than what she gave them. No one has proven that there was anything top secret or confidential at the time, retroactively classified top secret doesn't count. No one has proven any of this. If the FBI has a case, then as I said, that's a different thing. But all this proves to me is that you had a bureaucrat without any patience for technology, a baby boomer who doesn't understand technology, neither of which is news, and a politician who was kind of blowing off something that she saw as a non-issue. And... None of these things are news to me. This is, again, this is, this is not surprising. And it doesn't immediately disqualify her from anything. You talk about all these other investigations. And the reasons why I don't think this one should have any legs is because of the fact that the opposition has played all of these cards before. They have spent the last 25 years trying to prove 
that Hillary Clinton or Bill Clinton did something illegal. They have been trying to prove that there was illegal stuff going on with the Clinton Foundation. They were trying to prove that there was illegal stuff going on with Whitewater. They tried to prove that she murdered Vince Foster. They tried to prove that she did something wrong with Benghazi. And they have never proven anything. Nothing. She's never been indicted. Nothing has been proven. Millions, tens of millions at this point of our money has been wasted by the Republicans trying to investigate Hillary Clinton for something. And they've never pinned anything on her. Not a single thing. So does it surprise me that she was a little paranoid about her email? No, not in the least. Does it surprise me that she doesn't understand technology? No, not in the least. Does it surprise me that she just kind of blew this entire thing off and kind of circled the wagons? No, not at all. Will it surprise me if she's actually indicted for this? Yeah, actually it will a little bit. But if again, if that happens, fine. It also, none of this negates what the Republicans have done, which is nominate Donald friggin' Trump. So, and the fact that Bernie also has lost. So what likely will happen is it will come down to email problem lady or Donald Trump. And as long as email problem lady is not indicted, I ain't voting for Trump. Even if she is indicted, I'd probably still vote for Trump. But if she gets indicted, then she gonna, I know I'd probably still vote for her even if she was indicted. Sorry. I ain't voting for Trump. Period. It's not happening. And that's the deal. There's no getting around that. Well, now, I, I if, appreciate If Bernie, if, if she gets indicted and they jump in and, and bring Bernie in, fine. You know, I don't agree with, with a lot of things that Bernie wants to do, but hey, he ain't Trump. And right now, the Democratic Party needs to get somebody out there who can defend her on this because she's lousy at it. She's lousy at defending herself on this stuff. And they need to get out there and focus on beating Donald Trump, keeping that man out of the White House. And that's it, period. That's all I got. Well, I mean, I agree that I mean that needs to be the Democrats' primary concern is keeping Donald Trump out of the off out of office. But I, the fact that that needs to be their primary concern doesn't change the fact that this email scandal is is going to seriously damage Hillary Clinton's ability to be the one to keep him out of office. Now, I think Hillary Clinton's going to do exactly what you just did of you know putting all. Of, circling this around into the right-wing conspiracy, but it doesn't change the fact that this particular instance is not the right-wing conspiracy. We just went over this. This is Democratic State Department investigating her with their Democratic Inspector General and finding serious fault in the way that she handled things. And I'm not denying that, Tim. I was the first one to point that out. Yes. Yes, yeah. you're absolutely so I, right. I, I mean, but, everything that you said about right-wing conspiracies, I, I mean, great. Yes, absolutely. We The Republican Party has probably gone too far in a lot of its stuff and the way that it's gone after the Clintons. Absolutely. But it doesn't change what's happening right here, right now with these emails. And the very fact that the Democrats have as their as their pre- probable nominee for the presidency, someone who has a very real chance of getting indicted, this is not good, right? How can this be good? 
I don't. How? How? What? How do you know, Tim? But you're 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 missing you're missing what's at issue here. What is it at issue here right now? Is the difference between what is criminal and what is not criminal, and what the State Department found is that she was negligent in making sure that everything was settled with her email. The State Department didn't say anything about top secret information. And that is what the FBI is investigating. That's what she could be indicted for. Nothing that was in the State Department thing is not, and no one's proven that. And until you've got proof, until there is proof of that, and until there's enough reason for them to believe, which everything I'm reading says that they haven't found much, if anything, that points to her being able to be indicted. And that if she's not indicted, then this should go away. I mean, you can bring it up about whether or not she's got the management skills or something, but if if the FBI doesn't find anything, which they may not, and I think there's a pretty good shot that they don't, then no. And I'm sorry, you can't say that... The Democrats have as their nominee somebody who's got this on their record, even if it's a possibility of indicted, when you got for sure Donald Trump is your nominee. Look, I, I okay, I don't understand what your point is with that. Like I, I get that the Republicans shouldn't have nominated Donald Trump. This is not a good thing. This is bad. Absolutely. That doesn't change the fact that the Democrats have as their potential nominee someone with a potential federal indictment hanging over their head. And as you brought up the management skills. That I think that's huge. One of the her big big points is look, I'm a safe pair of hands. I know what I'm doing. I'm the one with experience. Well, you had experience, and it seems like you kind of effed this one up pretty, pretty big. So where was your great management and skills and experience then? I don't think she effed it up that bad, dude. I don't. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. I'm looking at it. I've read that report. I know. I, I know how people like the in like her and in that position behave around technology. They don't have any patience for it. And I don't fault her for it. I don't. I'm sorry. I've read about all, all this. Right. I, I don't I don't think it's I don't see it as a major character flaw. I don't have any control over what other people are going to think about this. And the fact of the matter is is that there are an awful lot of people out there that already know what they think about Hillary Clinton that have decided that they think Hillary Clinton is crooked. And you're not going to change those people's minds. They had decided that before the email thing. Probably on both sides of the aisle. Yeah, but this don't don't help all the people on the fence. I don't know that there really were that many people on the fence when it comes to I'm on the fence. I really don't. I'm one right here. I've talked about Hillary Clinton plenty as far as her being pragmatic i think her possibly being a good choice for the presidency i i am the epitome of on the fence about hillary clinton and wanting to believe that she's not you know quote unquote crook, crooked hillary and this email thing is not helping at all if you want my opinion for what you ought to do i don't think you should see this as a big deal if she's not indicted if the uh-huh. fbi comes down and says that she didn't do anything criminal then I don't think that what she did really qualifies as that much negligence. Okay. I think it qualifies, like I said, I think it qualifies as lacking understanding of how the technology worked at the time um, and the way that mobile devices were ha- were happening at the time and the way that email itself functioned. Uh, you know, look, I mean, this is, this is, a, this is a woman who is, is on record as not knowing how to use a fax machine. It's in the emails that are out there. 
you know, um, and just not having the patience for it. You want my opinion? I don't think it's that big a deal. I really don't. All and right. it's, and well, it's not, a, and it's, and it's, and it's not all that surprising to me at the end of the day. It's, it's just not. Um, but again, I, you know, I reserve the right to say, it, you know, if she gets indicted, fine. Great. Go. You've, 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 she, you got her, you know, that's whatever. But, you know, but that's it. That's not, you know, that's, uh, that has not happened yet. My understanding is we'll know about that soon enough. I just, well, I, I sure hope the FBI d- picks up the pace a little bit because hopefully, you know, they they need to pick up the pace because it's one thing if she gets indicted right now and they can immediately pivot to Bernie Sanders. If she gets indicted in August, this is going to cause some serious problems. And yeah, I don't want Trump in the presidency. So I would appreciate it if the FBI could pick up their pace and the Democrats could get themselves a nominee who is not going to be federally indicted. Well, but I mean, that's that's the problem they're facing, right? You know, because you can't, you know, you can't push the FBI. They're going to do what they can do. Hillary has won the nomination or is about to. She's she's well ahead, well ahead of where Obama was when he beat her. It's not because anybody rigged the damn system. It's because Bernie lost. Um, and that's that's just the way it is. You know, it's a lot like you've been saying with the Trump thing. You may not like it, but that's the way it is. Well, I mean, and, there's still June 7th. And I guess my recommendation to all the Democrats out there would be to get out and vote for Bernie Sanders on June 7th. So you can have someone with a real good chance of beating Donald Trump instead of, a well, maybe she'll beat him and you know, maybe she'll go to jail. Doesn't some part of you really like Bernie Sanders? Come yeah, on. I like Bernie you can, Sanders. You can admit it. You can you can tell me. It's okay. I've never, I've it's never okay. not. They're not going to, they're not going to kick you out of the club. I like Bernie Sanders. I've never You've not been so this. adamantly defending Sanders throughout all of this. Yeah, been fascinated by him. Well, because I do. I like Bernie Sanders. I like a lot of the things that he's put forth. I don't like, you know, the fifteen dollar minimum wage. I don't like the 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 free the free college stuff. But yeah, I do. I like Bernie Sanders. And I uh, and I think Bernie and in the end I really don't like Donald Trump and I think Bernie Sanders has the best chance of beating him and with all the stuff that's going on I think the Democrats would be very well served to throw all of their weight behind Bernie Sanders in hopes of getting him elected on June seventh. But even with like that I don't know you know uh, well whatever I I guess we'll we'll know. see what happens I mean you know well and if well, she does I mean, well, win yeah, I sure hope she doesn't we get can. indicted. I'm not cheering. Let's be clear here. I am not cheering for Hillary Clinton to get indicted. This is the, I am I I cheer for nothing that lays a clear path for Donald Trump to the White House. Absolutely not. Um, yeah, I, I do want to make that clear. I am not cheering for this, but I, I think the Democrats need to understand that suddenly this is becoming a real possibility, and I think that they would be much better served with Bernie Sanders. See, I don't know that it's suddenly becoming a real possibility. I think that's really where I, I sort of disagree with you about the development this week. I think it, I, I, I still think this is much ado about nothing. Um, you know, but, you know, if I'm wrong and she does get indicted, well, then, you know, you can tell me you you can you can tell me I was wrong. Lord knows we'll have a record of it through so. eight years of Donald Trump. I will be reminding you of this conversation. <laughs> 
four hopefully years. It'll only be the, hopefully, hopefully it'll only be the one term. Well, yeah, because once he turns it into, you know, I don't know. I, yeah, once he, I, I just, I got, I, I, I caught, I, I caught a, a section. I, I caught uh, Back to the Future 2 on, uh, uh, on TV. And oh, I yeah. saw that, that part in the alternate future uh. where, and I thought, that's what's going to happen. That'll be America. We will have elected Biff Tannen. Yeah. And, I, well, I mean, hopefully, oh my God! I, I mean, I if guess that's what you want America the, go for it. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I guess. Uh, I mean, if he does get elected, I certainly don't hope that it goes badly. I hope that he proves me wrong. You know, I, I hope that he proves that Look, he I actually is a, a fantastic executive, and I mean, nothing would make me happier. But I'm, I am very skeptical of that. Yeah, I mean, let's be clear, and that's one thing. That's one thing that all of you out there, if you're listening, should understand. I think about both of us is that I am never one of the most deplorable statements that I have heard out of anybody was when Rush Limbaugh said that he hoped President Obama failed. I I, I think that's that's just awful. If Donald Trump does get elected president, I'm gonna cross my fingers and hope to God every day that I am wrong about him and that he does a fantastic job and does not run this country into the ground because I do not want this country run into the ground period. And I'm, I'm fairly certain that, that, that I'm positive that Tim agrees with me on that. You do, right? I do. All right. Well, we are, uh, we are, uh, as usual, just, well, not as usual. We're, we're a little over time, but, uh, it's, uh, time to move on to something cool. Uh, so it's, 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 it's my turn this week. Uh, are you, uh, are you, are you all right for me to continue? Have you anything to add? No, take us out with something cool. Uh, Carl Heimlich, 96 years young. They're not Carl Henry Heimlich, 96 years young. The inventor of the Heimlich maneuver, uh, was having lunch in his senior center a few days back, uh, next to a woman who started choking and he leapt up and performed the maneuver that he invented and saved her life. <laughs> uh, that is fantastic. It was. I thought it was absolutely amazing. He, as it, you know, and as it, as it turns out, he's invented a couple of other procedures. I mean, it's literally responsible for saving, I think, millions of lives. I think if we could, any of us could hope to be, you know, just a, a millionth as as productive as he has with his life, uh, and still doing it at ninety six. I think would I think it'd be very easy to sleep tonight. So, uh, congratulations to uh, Doctor Heimlich. I thought that was uh, extraordinarily cool. Good to see him still going at it. So. Uh, that's all we got for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, like I said, follow us on Twitter at LibCon, Matt at LibCon, Tim. Uh, check us out at LibCon.podbean.com. Uh, have an outstanding holiday weekend, or by the time you hear this, it will have been over. So I hope you had an outstanding holiday weekend. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.